0: Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Baloop, and boy, do we have an exciting episode lined up for you today. Today's episode is another one of our amazing Thought Leader Nuggets, and it comes from my brand new book, co-written with the legendary Perry Wong, 1000000 dollars year earner, called How to Create a 1000000 dollars year Income, The Priceless Guide for Coaches, Consultants, Life Insurance Agents, Sales Professionals, and Anyone with a Big Dream. And today... We're getting into chapter 10, which is the four R's of selling. Here's a couple of great quotes. Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time, Thomas Edison. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing, Walt Disney. One of the principles that will help you grow your sales is the principle of the four R's. The four R's are relax, relate, review, and recommend. Basically, the four R's are a good way to describe a powerful sales process that will allow you to consistently generate great sales results. Let's dive into each R in turn. Relax is the phase in which you establish rapport. Here, you get to know the person and you work on getting them to feel comfortable and at ease. This is very important because without that feeling of ease and comfort, the person you're talking to will never be open to your help. Never, never, never. You must allow them to feel good and relaxed. Hence, the word relaxed is a good way to describe this phase of the process. Here's where you also start to get them to know you, and you get to know them, and you do that by asking questions about them, which allows you to gather the information you need to see if you're able to help them with your offerings. The more information or intel you gather through asking good questions, the better your sales interaction will go for both you and them. These questions need to be framed in such a way as to uncover the needs that the other person may not be consciously aware of. Subconscious needs that are lying dormant can be even more powerful than those that are in their conscious awareness. These needs are often tied to real concerns that are uncomfortable for them to look at which is why they've shoved them deep into their subconscious. For example, a fireman has a dangerous job. He runs into burning buildings to rescue people, and his job is inherently unsafe. He can suffer smoke inhalation, burns, falling building beams can land on him, and a myriad of other potentially hazardous things can happen to him. Yet he may not want to think about these things and the risks they pose to him and his well-being he may prefer to avoid facing them. That's natural. But that doesn't mean that his subconscious isn't aware of the danger and the risk to life and limb and to his ability to provide for himself and his family properly. Now, if you're an insurance salesperson, you can help bring up this subconscious fear and help him consciously realize the need for addressing this and to be motivated to address it. Now, this is not the phase that you offer up a solution This is the phase where you get the person to become aware of the problem. Well, the next phase is relate. This is where your job is to look for areas of commonality and compatibility. Why? Because people buy from and do business with people that they like and trust. They won't like and trust you unless they see and feel that you are like them, with shared interests and shared values. For example, if they have kids and are a family person, and you do too, then you should talk about your family and ask them about theirs. Be genuine and sincere and looking for ways to connect. Don't be superficial and do it just to get a sale. People can smell phoniness a mile away and they don't like it. You don't like it when someone does it to you, so don't do it to someone else. You should share first. Lead off the conversation by talking about your interests. This naturally leads them to want to share theirs. That's what causes you to establish relatedness and build rapport with the other person. If you do this, their buyer defense mechanisms will relax and they'll be open to your suggestions and recommendations later in the sales conversation. A buyer defense mechanism gets triggered whenever someone feels like they're being sold to. Why? Because while everybody loves to buy, nobody likes being sold to. It's the proverbial defensive wall that people put up when they feel like a hard sell is coming their way. You want to avoid triggering it at all costs. It'll make your job of engaging with the customer and getting them to buy from you to be almost impossible. How do you prevent the buyer defense mechanism from getting triggered? Well, that's why it's so important to spend time doing a good job of getting them to relax and relate to you. You can't skip these first two phases. In fact, we recommend that you spend more time on these two phases than on anything else because we recognize That until we've nailed down rapport with the prospect, there's no point in trying to make a sale. It doesn't matter how great your product or service is. If they don't feel comfortable around you and they can't relate to you, their buyer defense mechanism, BDM will kick in and they won't buy from you. So the next phase is review. This is the phase where you help your prospect uncover their blind spots. It's what they don't know that they don't know. It's like going through an intersection, being hit by a car you didn't even see coming. Have you ever backed up your call and hit a pole? Of course you have. Why'd you hit it? Because you didn't see it. It was in your blind spot. Now, Perry and myself, we both backed up in a tight alley and had our driver's side mirrors ripped right off because we weren't looking in our blind spot. This is where you have a discovery conversation and uncover what type of need they have and look to dissolve any misconceptions or buyer defense mechanisms that they have against seriously considering your offerings. You need to spend enough time in this phase so that you are crystal clear on what their pain is, and they are crystal clear on what their pain is. An undisturbed prospect will not buy. Let me say that again. An undisturbed prospect will not buy. You must must help them feel the pain of their current situation and ignite their desire to get rid of that pain. Do not gloss over this. No, 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 no. You may think that it's not nice to get people into their pain, but you'd be dead wrong in that assumption. For example, if a doctor sees that you have a broken bone, he's not doing you any favors by pretending it's not broken. He needs to help you understand that it is broken and that the consequences of not dealing with it right away are severe. And you need to do the same thing for your prospect. You need to help them understand the consequences of not dealing with the pain of their current situation right away. Otherwise, they will remain oblivious and do nothing. A salesperson who has a person in front of them that is in pain and has not done their job by ensuring that that person is feeling that pain and present to the severity of the consequences of not dealing with it, is engaging in sales malpractice. Do your job and help your prospect. Do not skip this. This may sound a bit harsh, but compare it with what is truly harsh, which is telling someone the truth and helping them to address it or letting them keep a broken arm untreated and having them eventually lose use of that arm. You got to have the mindset to help and the compassion to do so. And compassion is only possible when you help them get grounded in truth and reality. So, for example, if you're selling insurance and your prospect tells you, I'm all set, I got lots of insurance, then you want to actually review their current coverage and see if they're right. This review will allow you to identify and make them aware of any gaps in their coverage. These gaps may not be obvious to them, but they may be very real, and your job is to get them to understand what they are and what the risk is to them of having these gaps in place. The key in this phase is to establish the need to address any of the gaps in their coverage. So, for example, you may be a construction worker who owns a hatchback car. You're carrying two by fours out of the back of the hatchback, And you have concrete mix and bricks scuffing up the back seat and the floor mats in your car. Now, you might think to yourself, why do I need another vehicle? I already have a car and I can transport my materials to and from job site. It works. That's true. But you're wrecking your vehicle. And it isn't the right one for you to do this job with. What you really need is a heavy-duty pickup truck. But you don't know that the vehicle you need exists. And you don't want to look at any other options. Why? Because your hatchback hasn't been dragged enough through the destruction that you've put it through that you can't use it anymore. You're not feeling the pain, even though your car is getting destroyed by how you're treating it. You've never heard of a heavy-duty pickup truck because you weren't open to another option, so you didn't go looking for one. All you know is hatchbacks, and you don't want to realize that they're not the right vehicle for the job at hand. I know that's a crazy example, because I mean, obviously everybody knows what a heavy-duty pickup truck is, but... It is an example and a very good one of a person with a preconceived notion that they don't need your offerings because they already think what they have is a workable solution and they're wrong. Your job in the review phase is to help them see that. Another good analogy is that of the screwdriver and the hammer. Imagine someone in a far off place had a nail that they needed to tap into a piece of wood, but they didn't know what a hammer was. They only had a screwdriver. It was the only tool they had to do all their handyman-type work. To their way of thinking, it was the only tool they'd ever need to screw in screws and hammer in nails. So they grabbed the screwdriver, and after several awkward taps, they were finally sort of able to tap the nail into the piece of wood. They didn't know any better, and they thought that it was good enough. It wasn't perfect, the nail was damaged, and the job was not ideally completed. But they didn't know any better. In their mind, this was good enough. But now imagine that someone came over and brought them a hammer. At first, they're going to resist it. They might even say, I don't need this fancy thing. My screwdriver does the job. I don't need your bulky, heavy, ugly thing. But then that person with the hammer showed them how easily they could tap that nail in. The job was done smoothly, quickly, and perfectly. They didn't wreck the wood or the nail. The job was done right every single time. Why? Because the hammer is the right tool for the job, while the screwdriver really isn't. Now, if you were the hammer salesman, you uncovered a blind spot that they didn't know about, and you made their life immeasurably better and easier. Often, as a sales professional, you're going to run into individuals who are blind to the fact that they need what you have to offer, and they're completely oblivious to it. It's your job to help them see that they need what you have to offer. Now, you need to do this ethically. You don't want to do this to someone who doesn't truly have the need. But if they do have the need and they're just blind to it, your duty and obligation is to help them see that. Never assume that the customer knows what they actually need. I'm going to say that again. Never assume that the customer knows what they actually need. The truth is they usually don't. You need to help uncover the pain for them. you got to salt the wound so that they feel the pain. You can't paper over it with a Band-Aid. If someone has a bleeding neck and you're a doctor, you don't want to put a Band-Aid on it. You're going to triage it. You're going to put a tourniquet on it. And then you're going to cauterize it and bandage it. Otherwise, you'd be guilty of malpractice. As a salesperson, you need to look at yourself as though you were the doctor and they were the patient. Doctors don't let patients self-diagnose. You shouldn't either. If you're a coach or a consultant, you shouldn't let your client self-diagnose. That's as bad and as dumb and as malpractice as a doctor letting a patient self-diagnose. Okay, There's a reason doctors don't let Patients self diagnose because they don't let patients tell them how to bind up their wounds because they're the expert, not the patient. They review the patient's situation and ask lots of questions so they can understand what's wrong in order for them to diagnose and then offer a prescription, which is kind of like recommending a solution. And the patient is willing to take the recommendation because they trust the doctor and they can see and feel the pain and understand that they got to do something about it right now. All right, so the next phase, the next star is recommend. Now that you know the prospect's needs, you need to tell him or her what your recommended solution of their problem actually is. Now, this is not the time to be shy. The shy you are, the less likely you are to get the business. You must provide a solution to your prospect. Again, here's where you're like the doctor. A doctor won't diagnose a problem without prescribing a solution to it. That would be malpractice. You need to think the same way. Malpractice is if you identify the prospect's problem and create a need in their mind to solve it and then shy away from offering your recommended solution. Your recommendation needs to clearly be tied to the prospect's need and how it solves the problem that underpins their need. This should be done right away. The longer you wait, the less likely it is that the prospect will act. Be bold. Remind them of why they need your recommended solution. Use the doctor and bleeding neck analogy. It will starkly illustrate to them that acting now is critical. He who hesitates in taking action is lost. Imagine your car's in the shop. Your brakes aren't working as well as they should be. Your mechanic sees this and diagnoses the problem immediately. You need new brakes. If he's a good mechanic, he's not going to ask you if you think you need new brakes. He's going to tell you or recommend you that you need new brakes. And you need them right away. Not next week, not when your paycheck clears and comes in, not when your wife or husband gives you permission, not after you've had a chance to think about it, but now, right away, you need brakes and the mechanic will not let you leave without getting them. Why? Because if he does, you're going to go out and you're going to crash your car because you don't have any brakes. Your approach to selling your product or service needs to be like a mechanic recommending brakes. You need to have the mindset of getting a decision now. Not someday, not after a bunch of BS objections, but right now. A good mechanic will never let you leave their shop with faulty brakes, So why are you allowing your prospects to leave your shop without taking on your solution? Like much of sales, it's all about your mindset. If your mindset's weak and you're not focused on victory for yourself and service for your client, you will not do the right thing and you will let a prospect who needs your help walk away without it. If your mindset's strong and you're focused on service for your client and victory for yourself, you will do the right thing and you'll make sure your prospect gets your solution and solves their problem. My own story is illustrative of this. One of my friends, Paul, came to see me about getting accident and sickness insurance. I hesitated. I put Paul off. But, Finally, I got myself some accident coverage. Not a moment too soon. A short while later, I slipped on a wet marble floor and fell, cut, and, and I cut my hand badly on a metal protrusion from the door. The cut was serious enough that it required a visit to the emergency room, and I ended up getting stitches, and I wasn't able to work for a couple of weeks, and I couldn't use my hand to type and do other essential work tasks. The insurance coverage I had helped me take care of some of my bills Because it paid me $5,830. So my friend Paul, he helped me uncover a need for something that I wasn't aware of. It was a blind spot for me. I thought I was already covered because I had lots of insurance. But I didn't have accident insurance. And I'm a little bit of a wild man, let's be honest. My idea of a fun weekend is to go jump on rocks and climb (laughs) uh, and do other really crazy active things. I don't plan for accidents. But let's be honest, accidents happen. So I decided to get the accident insurance. And the recommendation made sense. And because I was covered, I didn't lose any income. When I got hurt, I was able to take care of my bills. So always recommend your solution and ask for the sale. Now there's a bonus fifth R. And that's asking for referrals. Referrals are the backbone of any successful sales professionals practice. And it's perhaps the most neglected aspect of it. Referrals are going to build your business and make it big and beautiful. And once you've signed up your prospect, it's time for you to ask for one or more referrals. That's when they're feeling the best about you. And that's when they can think of others who need your help. So make sure you ask for referrals and don't let them tell you they'll get back to you. Because even if they intend to, they never will. Selling is a now business. Everything happens now or it doesn't happen at all. So use memory joggers to get them thinking. Be specific. For example, if you're selling travel insurance, ask them if they can think of their friends and family members who like to travel a lot. If you're selling investment real estate, ask them if they know anyone else who owns multiple properties. If you're selling business coaching, ask them if they know anyone who runs their own business. The more specific and focused your ask is, the more likely it is to jog their memory and get them to come up with a name or two that they can connect you with. You got to remember, like my good buddy, Mark Victor Hansen, co-creator of Chicken Soup of the Soul series, likes to say, always ask, ask, ask. The more you ask, the more God will give you. Ask yourself to have the courage to serve people. Ask for the business and referrals. Ask God for more blessings and opportunities to be of service. In sales, you need to make sure you always ask for the business. To quote a line from the iconic movie, *Glengarry Gary, Glenn Ross, ABC or always be closing or always be enrolling. It should really be A-B-E. You need to make this an integral part of your day-to-day sales activities. Without a relentless focus on asking for the business and asking for referrals, success in sales will elude you. With a relentless focus on asking for the business and asking for referrals, success will always come your way. Was that not possibly the greatest thought leader nugget ever? I think it was. If you got a lot out of this, that's going to help you go out and make 2023 kick-ass for you in terms of sales, then do me a favor, leave us a rating and a review and share it with somebody else who like you, maybe he's a business coach, maybe he's another sales professional and could really use this message. Make sure you do that, okay? And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about our incredible book, How to Create a Million Dollar a Year Income, go to Amazon, pick yourself up a copy.